You're listening to 2, 5, and 10, your source for bullshit-free NHL news, analysis, and insights. Now, here are your hosts, Kevin Naughton and Ben Stewart. Hello everybody and sorry for the delay. Welcome to episode 100 in Cam Neely of 2, 5, and 10. Benny, what up? I was going to say uh, Pavel Bore and Darren Turcotte, but we'll go with uh, Cam Neely. A hundred and eight of them. How the fuck are you? <laughs> I know, it's been a little while. I'm doing alright. Appa, how are you? I saw you went up. I had a nice little getaway over Memorial Day weekend. It was shit weather here in New York, so couldn't really enjoy too much this- except for around dinner time on Monday, so not much going on here. Well, if it makes you feel any better, it was nothing more better up in Maine. It rained for three days straight, but uh, at the same time, it was fun. I mean, the kids were buzzing around, running around in the rain. It doesn't affect them. Kids don't affect, like, weather doesn't affect children. Like, you, yeah. they go out in the snow, and they'll come back ice cubes, and you're like, are you cold? It's cold out there. It's like, no. Like, All right, have <laughs> at it. The kids are buzzing. Yeah, legitimately. <laughs> but uh, no, it was good. They were just running around, had a good time. So the first time camping, I say it was a success. Good, good, good. And hockey related, a lot of shit's gone down uh, since we last spoke. We had our first round predictions. Uh, we'll review how we did with those. But uh, second round's already underway. I know we'll get into the lottery, but I think the best place to start, I guess, if, if we're going to kick off with like first round stuff, is. Another Toronto collapse. Uh, collapse is being extremely generous. Uh, heavy, heavy favorites going into that series. I know at first we didn't even think Carrie Price or Brendan Gallagher were going to play. And then right before the series started, they went down to Laval to get some uh, conditioning in and boom, inserted into the lineup. Uh, Cole Caulfield does it against. Uh, 2012 carry price yeah the price is right <laughs> at <laughs> least right now uh speaking of right now uh they have already started their series with winnipeg a day after two days after they had beat toronto uh currently at the end of the second period they are up three to one so um montreal is hot right now so we will see as to where the maple leafs end up as for toronto on the other end of this man i mean me personally i I think you have to see some sort of change coming in the Maple Leafs, whether it's coaching, GM, players. Like, I I don't put this on Dubis because, I mean, this finally seemed to be a lineup that he put together and was extremely successful during the regular season but just could not get it done in the postseason. I don't put that on him. The players, to me, seemed flat, just... This was not the same team that we saw in the regular season. They, they came out and they had a good first couple of games. Uh, after that original loss in game one, they had a really good game two and three. Uh, I was actually very surprised. Willem, is it Nylander or Nylander? Nylander? Uh, you can go either one. When his dad played for Rangers, Sam Rose would alternate in 
on the same shift, he would say, Michael Nylander, Michael Nylander. Uh, let's go Nylander. Because I always hear the two, and I just never know which one to go with. So <laughs> Nylander had a great series. I, I thought he was probably pretty close to being their best player. And then Jason Spezza as well. He, they definitely uh, they gave everything they had. Mitch Marner, probably my favorite up there. Like, what a awful series he had the poor fucking yeah. kid and they're already trying to ship him out of town and i just wonder as to what exactly is the next move for the toronto maple leafs well you have all that money tied up in the guys up front and that's going to be the natural spot like most fans and writers are going to look at it and say well you can't win with the offense they gotta break up their core four of Matthews, Tavares, Marner, and Nylander. You're not moving Tavares or Matthews, so everybody's falling on Marner. Um, Dubas came out today and said that he is not trading Mitch Marner, which believe what you want. So positioning is that the old kiss point. of death? <laughs> yeah. So I think it's weird because yes, their bottom six. Spezza looked good. He looked still has those wheels. Um, and the laugh. <laughs> but, I mean, the Muzzin injury really hurt them. Tavares' uh, injury hurt them big time. They're not top-heavy. Like, you look at the roster, you look at their forward group, you look at the top six, and you're like, this isn't bad. But it's a bunch of, like, meh, hoping to turn and join together. It's like throwing a bunch of shit against the wall and hoping, seeing what sticks, and that's not going to work in the playoffs, especially against the first or second or third best goaltender in a league and carry price when he's healthy. So I know everybody's going to ride them because of the three straight game seven losses against Boston. And now this year they're like, well, we don't have to play Boston. We're heavily favored against Montreal. We're up in the series and then they blow it again. So a lot of people are going to want to blow it up to me. If my question, I know they're not going to fire Dubas, but you basically made a power play to become like the GM of the team. You get rid of Mike Babcock over a multitude of factors, but basically a difference of opinion. You lean into the analytic side of things and you still have the same result. At what point is it the, the guy who's building this is the problem and not the players or the head coach? I think that's a fair question, but I guess in turn a response would be, how do you have a team that's that dominant during the regular season and then that bad in the playoffs? Like, what changed? I mean, if they the ran, they played in. Uh, no, I, I know, but it, it's one of those things of if this team ran away with it per se up there, doing like you said, the, they were very heavy on analytics, the stats part of things. And then they get to the postseason and they fall flat. Obviously, there's something lacking in that lineup. Yeah. I mean, Tavares' injury hurt them, obviously. But you look at... I mean, Joe so, Thornton did nothing for them. Nothing. Oh, you said he's 41 years old. Like, what the fuck did they expect? Um, I mean, for a guy who's never won a cup, I mean, you, you'd expect a fucking board battle or a puck battle, but... yeah. I mean, Simmons, he's a old, 32 years old. Felino, he, he was a big disappointment as a, the deadline acquisition. But you look at their their main 
guys up front. Matthews less so. Like you see him getting involved physically. Tavares, he can battle through stuff. Like he knows how to win. He's not his game's not built on speed, so he knows how to win in tight spots. Even though Nylander had a, a solid series, him and Warner are just perimeter guys. And once Tavares is out of the lineup and you can focus on Matthews, you're not going to have to worry about Marner and Nylander getting to those spots. And I know that's like a cliche way to analyze it, but... Well, but like, that's how you have to win this time push, of year. I can push Marner over with a stiff forearm. Like, so at some point, it's gotta, you got to stop looking at, okay, the only time we can play a heavy board battle game is when we put our least talented forwards on the ice on the fourth line. Like, you need to be able to do that and roll four lines so you can compete that way when necessary. And for me, it comes down to they're not built that way and also just being stubborn. Like, they had the way Montreal was playing them, they had to change their style, and it just kind of came off as, we're just going to keep doing what got us here because we believe we're smarter than everybody else and we're just more talented, and eventually it's going to work out for us. And that's coaching to a fault there, but it's also team construction. And I don't know where to go. Like, we were talking before we started recording. No one's going to bail them out. No one is going to take on, out of the goodness of their heart, the TJ Brody contract. They're not going to just take on a Nylander contract for the hell of it. And Campbell's solid in goal, but you're going to need a goaltender there. And they have a bunch of money tied up where they don't have the room to make like a big splash. Like, who are they going to get? They're going to be in the same spot as having a guy at the talent level of Frederick Anderson splitting time with Campbell. And then you're right back to square one. So I don't... It's They're in a tough spot. They should be doing better. There's something off, but I don't know how to go about like diagnosing it and fixing it outside of just making a move like Warner for Seth Jones just to make the move. Well, uh, one thing you said, too, is where do they go to fix it? And... Obviously, just saying signing the best free agent out there, oh, you know, great math, right? But they currently have seven guys, at least up front. I'm not even counting the back end or Frederick Anderson. Seven guys coming off their books up front, and they're only getting about $10 million in cap relief. So with that, they have guys on very low contracts, veteran minimums with Thornton and Spezza, I mean, Simmons was only 1-5, Felino came over at only 1-3, and then you had Nash and Hyman, one at 2 and a quarter, the other one at 2.7. Like, you're going to lose a lot of guys, but you're not gaining a lot of cap space because if you sign a high-end guy, there goes the majority of your space. So now you're really putting puzzle pieces in here to finish that bottom six, and it's like, is the cure for them within their system... I don't think so. Maybe a guy or two, but they're still going to have to look in other places for people to want to go there. And after the big question mark that just happened with them, I I don't think this is a premier destination. Like, don't get me wrong. I know a lot of kids grew up in Ontario and they grew up idolizing the Leafs, but for the fall off that has been, I don't think this is where people want to go. And then not to mention, too, it's like, all right, you know what? I need a one-year prove-it deal just to go there. Maybe I play with Marner or Matthews and I can get, you know, a whole bunch of assists or something to put my value up and then get out of there. But that's it. You're looking at hit and runs. You're not looking at long-term signings. And that's just 
their own cap hell. Yeah. Like, this is everything that is directly related to them and the signings and whatever they have pushed forward. And one other thing that we had talked about earlier was Nylander now. Th- this is the biggest question mark. Didn't have the best regular season, came on, had a very strong playoff. Now what do you do? Are, are you going to ship out a guy who may eventually, uh, and, I, and I use the, this is a very loose comparison because he, he has not proven anything to the sort of the player I'm about to say, but is he going to be your David Krejci where he might only get about 50 points in the regular season, but then the playoffs are his bread and butter and he, and he does everything for you? Because that for just about $7 million a year, that ain't it. That ain't cut. Yeah. I I think, first of all, I, I mentioned the monitor for Jonas. Like that's trying to gain, gain steam. That's a massive bad deal for Toronto if they trade Marner for Seth Jones. Seth Jones, just because you play a lot of minutes doesn't mean you're playing those minutes well. And I think he banks a lot of reputation on his draft position and how he played as a rookie. Um, I don't think he's a franchise defenseman. So if I'm Columbus, I drive Seth Jones to the airport for Mitch Marner. Um, I I think the other thing, too, with Seth Jones, uh, sorry to interrupt, is he has been under Tortorella in a, a very strict defensive system. If he goes somewhere else, is he going to, A, you know, flap his wings and fly and become this offensive butterfly, or is he going to be so screwed without that strict fucking thing in place that he's not going to be the player he was defensively either? Well, that's the thing. Even defensively in Tort's system, he was not great. So that's what's scary to me. Like, if you're... If you're a guy that talented and you're not playing at an elite level defensively and in a transition game with John Tortorella, I can't even imagine if he was playing for like a Bruce Boudreaux if like he played for a team that was coached by him. Like he would get lit up every night. So, I think you have to move Nylander if you're going to be making a move because uh, he's still he's not he doesn't have a prohibitive cap number. Like a team can squint and go, all right. We'll give you a young D-man or a young forward and a pick, and you eat a million dollars per year. And you get Nylander at under six mil. Like, I think that's solid return on value. But outside of that, like you said, it's you have to fill in the gaps. At, at this point, you're so committed to this roster build that you just have to keep running it back, in my mind, and seeing maybe one year you just catch lightning in a bottle and you go. Um I wouldn't bet on it, but at, at this point, unless you're going to move John Tavares, you're not moving Matthews, and Marner, I, you could move him if you wanted to, but like I don't know where they, what they do. And Morgan Riley is vastly overrated. I'm stunned that their Cody CC deal didn't work out. I know that was previous, but TJ Brody, like another guy, $5 million a year for TJ fucking Brody? Like, no, he's a solid player, but come on. Like, they're just... I don't know. I think you put Morgan O'Reilly in Arizona, and he becomes a twenty-five point a year guy. So that much of a drop off. Yeah, I think he got he picks up a lot of assists. I don't think he drives play as well as he should. I think, especially in the playoffs the last two years, you see him, you just like, like that's it. That's that's Morgan O'Reilly. You know what I mean? It's just like all right, like. That's what you're getting, yeah. Not jump, not jumping off the screen at me. So uh, we will see where this one goes. I, I like when you get a little flustered, Benny. It, it gets me a little <laughs> bothered. 
By the way, Freddie Anderson, I'm, I'm saying he goes to Edmonton and has a nice little bounce-back year. I think he gets the roar end of the deal in Toronto. I could definitely see him going to Edmonton. They, they need goaltending, and they need it bad. By the way, you mentioned a prove-it deal, one-year prove-it deal. If you had to take a one-year prove-it deal, wouldn't you rather ride shotgun with Connor fucking McDavid instead of going to Toronto? Yes, but I mean, I, I don't think uh, getting the second apple on an Austin Matthews goal is a bad alternative either. No, I'm, yeah, I'm just <laughs> talking about like you're guaranteed to play if you're decent. At least you're going to get a run in McDavid's line, and if you show any type of chemistry, you're putting up 50 points. Yeah. So, um, I don't know if we want to spend time on Edmonton's early bow out. Uh, Against Winnipeg, I call that uh, on my end of things. But McDavid, another, what is it, seven years now of wasted prime of Connor McDavid and Edmonton? Like, that's getting a little uh, uneasy to keep looking at. Uh, it's definitely uneasy. I-, I think the other part of it, too, when it comes down to a whole lineup and an organizational standpoint, is y- you can't keep wasting this guy's prime. And. I know how we just talked about Cap Hell and Toronto, but I mean, Edmonton's not that good either when it comes no. to the cap. Um, you got McDavid at twelve five. You got Drysaddle at eight five. Uh, Nugent Hopkins just coming off the books right now at six, but there's interest with them and in re-signing them. They're probably going to have to buy out James Nail. I mean, they're giving Zach Cassian three two a year, and. Then you go to the back end. I mean, you got Nurse at 5'6". They're finally getting out of the Adam Larson deal. Who knows what they do there. But, like, it, it's not a good look for them either. They, they need goaltending. They might buy out Koskinen, too, another guy who's been awful for them. No, oh, they have to. I, I will what, say, what, a, what a present by Chiarelli to leave them. Uh, yeah, exactly. Here, Here's this gift. And then uh, I, I will say Mike Smith, I thought, had an okay playoffs. I thought he actually came out and played good for him. Um, yeah, it, it's ugly for them. It, it's not a not an easy scenario, not a one of those situations. Like you said, I mean, you can go there and play with Connor McDavid. Like, great. But this is another team, too, where you look at the bottom and – they have guys who are on entry levels who are just coming off, and they're all due for raises. So who knows where they eventually end up? And it's like, yeah. I don't know, man. I think I don't want to bring up the Bruins here too naive, but the culture that was brought here and put in place of you're not going to make as much money, but you're going to come to a winning culture and play here and be successful. I mean, just look at the lineup. Bergie yeah. at six and six one six, Marshy six point two six, Pasta six whatever. Like, no one's making crazy money. I mean, they're making good money, uh, but it's just one of those things of I don't know how teams are able to survive off of being so top heavy. Like, this isn't the NBA where if you have three superstars, you win every year. This is a completely different animal. And that's the thing where I'm getting nervous with the Rangers, right? Where Zibanejad's UFA end of next year, they're going to start to paying guys like Fox, and 
like you said, if you start getting too top heavy, you're going to start having holes elsewhere. And in my mind, nobody gets paid more than Panarin. Like Panarin's your franchise forward. He's the best player on a team. And follow the Boston model, like you said. Like Zibanejad, okay, he had a decent bounce back at the end of the year. Let's see, he has a normal year this year, and he produces like he's expected. Like people were throwing around numbers like ten, eleven million dollars last off season. Like if he wants more than eight and a half, see ya. Yeah, I like mean, I, I know Panarin's getting eleven six, like average on a cap, but like it's, Kreider's only getting six and a half. I. Uh, Truba's only getting eight. Like, that's the max. Like, eight, eight and a half. That's what you're getting. I don't care who you are, that's what you're getting. Because if you want to be in New York and play in this market and you want to win a Stanley Cup in New York, that's the deal. And that's kind of what we're saying in Boston. And more teams need to follow that instead of, oh, he's our young franchise guy. We want to make him the highest paid forward to recognize his talent. Because then you're starting to recognize talent and not teams. Yeah, and, and I think the biggest problem with that is it needs to start at the top. It, it needs to be that top guy that's taking less to bring in more pieces here for other people to do the same. And, yeah, I, I think Edmonton is just so one-two punch with McDavid Dreisaitl that after that the fall-off is significant, and it it absolutely killed them in that Winnipeg series. Yeah, I'm surprised that James Neal hasn't produced for him. The, um, <laughs> the old real deal, James Neal. Uh, quickly, I think uh, the other series I wanted to highlight before we get into the Boston one was the Panthers and Lightning. Great series. Um, what, what a fucking bloodbath. Yeah, great series. But another thing I said before the playoff round started was if they fuck around with the goaltending and even play at Bob one game, and they lose in seven games, it's because they played Bob. And they end up playing him two times, they lose both games, and they lose in the game seven. I, I will say, one of those games I don't put on Bob, though. They they fucking hung him out the dry in, was it, game five? They they absolutely hung him out the dry. They, there was no fucking help. They were coming down at will. Um, I will say that that Spencer Knight kid played pretty good for them in game six. Um I'm hoping for good things for the Florida Panthers going forward. I picked them. I just liked where they were at. I thought the team was finally kind of putting it together the way it should be. But, I mean, fuck, man. Tampa looked like they were dominating at points there, and it wasn't even close. Yeah, when they scored like those 500 goals, after being down two, it was just like, all right, well, they're back. Um, and Kucherov being back helps. The other thing oh, yeah, is, talk about a guy who hasn't missed a step all yeah. year. And I know we can get into that long-term IR battle over, you know, it's bullshit that now they're whatever it is, $15 million over the cap right now and playing in the playoffs. Like, those are the rules. I don't think they really bent him too far. He had surgery. I think they played their cards accordingly. Uh a lot of respect in that handshake line, though. That that was probably one of the better handshake lines I've seen in a while, where nice and slow, everyone talked to each other. A lot of congratulations, a lot of fuck. That was that was a good battle, and I, I thought it was really good, too. All the Panthers players had a lot of praise for John Cooper at the end of that line, and Cooper the same way. I, I think Cooper's become 
one of the elite coaches in the NHL now. It's not just the team he has in front of him. I think those guys legitimately feel it both ways. Yeah, and the disappointing thing for me is this is not going to be a repeat showing. Like, this is a one-year deal for Florida, and some people might be surprised by that because who were those signed? Most of their guys are coming back up front. Their D's back except for a mentor who I think if they're able to keep him would be fantastic. Maybe a buyout of Shulman or a trade of Shulman clears up that spot. But apparently Barkoff has made it known that he does not want to play out his final year of his deal without an extension. Initially, that was his thought. He's like, either sign me to an extension this summer or trade me. And now it's from what I'm gathering and reading, he doesn't want to sign the extension. So then if you're Florida, are you bringing him back and following a Columbus model and going, fuck it, let's go all in and see what happens. We've never had a run of success here. Let's bring him back and see where it goes. Maybe he changes his mind and and you risk losing him for nothing or do you move him? And if you move your captain, like franchise forward, how does that impact the rest of the lineup? Because he turned Carter Verhage and Anthony Declare into top six forwards. Um, and then the flip side of that is you're paying $50 million for the next five years for a backup goaltender. Yeah, they're, they're hosed on that uh, Bobrovsky deal. I, uh, I don't even think if they leave him, well, I think he has a complete full movement too, but I was just going to yeah. say that even if they left him unprotected, I don't think Vegas, uh, not Vegas, Seattle's taking him. They, they'll, no. they'll leave him right the fuck there. And they can't buy him out because can you imagine spreading out, what, like 40-something million dollars over 10 years? Like, might as well. Yeah, better uh, off keeping them. Uh, Yeah, so they screwed themselves with that deal. I I think another thing, too, that's interesting to look at here is, is Aaron Ekblad going to be ready for the start of the season next year? And are they going to be, like you said, re-signing Montour for that? Because their back end actually looks pretty decent. Um, Yandel, if they re-sign Montour, Uyghur, Marcus Nudevauer, they got good good coast there for that meet. Uh, I think it could be okay. I just wonder as to, is Ekblad going to be back, and is he going to be back healthy? That's the biggest question mark. I think if he's not able to be back, they'll keep Yandel, put him on long-term, and then when he's back, figure it out. But to be honest, I think Yandel is a goner in the offseason. I think I think he'll get moved, um, just clear some cap space out to keep Montour and a couple of the other RFAs. But that's one thing. And then the last thing for me is Pittsburgh. So kind of a similar discussion to what we have for Toronto, but Toronto's on the upswing. Pittsburgh, another first-round exit. Uh, the guys are getting older, Latang, Crosby, and Malkin. Is Latang sticking around? Malkin, they're having extension talks with. I just, I mean, I, Malkin's 34. Like yeah. He's 34 right now. He's under contract for next year, and then he's UFA. I mean, you, you got to think at some point he's. He's going to leave. Uh, probably. And I mean, he'll, he'll probably go to Russia and play. He'll, he'll probably do a Datsuk or, or something like that. Like. <laughs> Uh, you, you still have Sid locked up for another one, two, three, four more years after, uh, well, including next year, another four more years. 
I heard they're trying to they're shopping Gensel, they're shopping Zucker. I heard they're even going to offer Seattle a pick to take Zucker. So man, Zucker used to be good, man. I know Z- Zucker used to be a really good player, and now it's. I think the other part of it too is Zucker on that team does not fit the Brian Burke mold, the Ron no. Hextall mold, and I think that's why they may be trying to get rid of him. Um. Latang has one year left in his deal, which is why uh, um, Rutherford basically quit because he was willing to take offers on him. I thought that was very interesting because that that was why Rutherford had left because of that. And now they had already come out. Ron Hextall said they're keeping the core: Malkin staying, Sid staying, Latang staying. Like what the fuck? Like, am I missing something? Like, did something? Maybe he means just for this upcoming season. Maybe he just means for one, so it was open and left like that, but it's just, I don't know, man. I mean, strange times. I I thought Mike Sullivan actually did a hell of a job keeping this team together and having them in the playoffs. Yeah, and there were rumblings, really strong rumors from the New York writers late last week that uh, the guys that, they network with in Pittsburgh to cover the Penguins said the season end of season meeting between Sullivan and Hextall and Burke did not go that well and they agreed to take a little bit of time away and then uh, regroup and meet again and the guys in New York were saying if Sullivan gets fired he's prime target number one for the Rangers because he does have uh, a connection to Drury. He's won a Stanley Cup. Uh, he's a completely different coach in my mind than uh, David Quinn. So he would jump to the top of the line. I wonder if Pittsburgh knows that and they're like, listen, we'll figure it out with you because we don't want you going to one of our divisional rivals and turning them around. I mean, th- that could be it too. And speaking of another person that's within that lineup there. I heard they're already taking calls on Marino. Talk, talk about a deal no that shit. you already want to fucking get out of. No the, shit. That the, deal the, extension, work out for him, huh? the extension hasn't even kicked in yet. He was still on 925 this year. <laughs> and then, I mean, the Matheson <laughs> deal is fucking mind-numbing, too. So, um, yeah, I mean, Pittsburgh, they're the old version of Toronto right now. Top-heavy, but the guys are older. Question mark and goal, and they're bottom six in a pull-through form in a the last two or three seasons. So um, I just don't know. They don't have an, they have basically no draft picks this year, so they can't make a move on a trade market unless they're moving a guy like Gensel, who you move Gensel for young guys and picks. If and you, you have move a, Gensel, a hole you're in your top six. You've, you're fucked if you move Gensel. Yeah. So I, yeah, I think, I, to be honest, I think this is the last year they're going to run it back. They're going to bring everybody back. They're going to try and make another run for it with Crosby, Malcolm, and Latang. See what happens. And even if they win, I think Latang's going to move on, not by choice. And Malcolm's going to move on by choice. And it's going to be Crosby and a rebuild. Crosby and a rebuild. Zucker's going to go to Seattle. And then if next year's going bad, guaranteed they ship off Rust at the deadline. And Jeff Carter. Yeah, Carter, that was a great pickup. It was a great pickup, but if next year it's not working, he'll definitely be another deadline acquisition for someone else. Maybe he'll go to your uh, 
division-leading Ottawa Senators at the deadline. Oh, hey, they'll be uh, they'll be in the playoffs <laughs> next year. But uh, all right, let's get let's get to the main attraction for the first round. Your Bruins, give it to me. Uh, as for the first round, uh, I thought we actually played a great first round. Uh, l- like I said, there there was times there where Washington kind of bullied their way around us, and. One thing we did not do is we did not try getting into the rough stuff with them. I, I thought we would be baited a little bit. It, it didn't happen. Uh, Washington's goaltending situation, though, woof. I mean, <laughs> Vanacek gets hurt. I, I thought Anderson was their best goalie, and for game three, they sat him due to, it, it was they called it load maintenance. I'm like, yeah, load maintenance stupid. in the playoffs? Playoffs. Like, huh, interesting. Um, Hank would have really helped him out, huh? Would have been a, yeah. So Hank definitely could have helped him out there. Samsonov came in a, a little rusty. Uh, I thought we played a great series. Our second line looked great. Hall looked great. A couple beautiful goals. Uh, we didn't get out. The, we got a little, didn't get out of it unscathed, though. Kevin Miller hurt. Um, Jakob Zaboral hurt as well. Jeremy Lozon, he was hurt. Well, he looked awful in game one, ended up being hurt. And then, I mean, he looked like shit the other night. But, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, going into this series now, I believe I had texted you and I said, what? Did I say Bruins in five or six for this one against the We Islanders? both said Bruins in five. Okay, Bruins in five. <laughs> Uh, I thought game one was our game, but we dominated. Uh, Sorokin was awful. Like, he could not find the puck that night. I do not blame Barry Trotz for going to Varlamov for game two. Uh, in game two, I mean, Varlamov, I thought, had a good game for him. We had an incredible start, game one. Came out of it with the lead. And now, did, did you see game two? I did. Okay, so this is my question because I'm still trying to figure it out on my end and I don't know. Did we have a shit second period or did the Islanders just turn it on? To be honest, the Islanders just started, again, another cliche, they just started playing like they normally do. So I think it was mostly that and then I think you guys... It took a while to adjust to it because yeah, you had like that game had one nothing. win. You had the first period. Your the way you guys were playing was working, and then you came off for the second period, and then it just stopped. And it, I think it took a little bit for you guys to get the, the wheels going again. So that's the thing. That's the mark of a good team and a good coaching staff. You get caught off guard, the other team adjusts, and then you're able to remake an adjustment on your end and counter what they're doing. And that's what you guys did in the third with that delay comeback, too. Yeah, we needed that comeback. Um, I mean, we we all saw that overtime game winner there. I mean, that was an awful giveaway by Lozon. Like, I don't understand. And this is across the board when you see mistakes like this. Like, you need to play especially in the playoffs, overtime in the playoffs, mistake-free hockey. The the team who makes the least amount of mistakes is most likely going to win. And for Lozon trying to go cross-ice there, like, throw it in the corner. 
Like, like just, you know what, have them yeah. get the puck and have to come out, like, don't force things. And that was, like, the worst thing. Like, you see the pass come to the middle, comes off his skate, they're going the other way, and you're like... Like, yeah, when it bounced the, off his skate, I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> it was like, I, I just had the sulk. I'm like, oh, fuck, here we go. And I, I thought Tuca had a great game for us. I, I know there was another mixed emotion in Boston. After game one, he was the highest of the high. And then after game two, everyone was split on him. No, nah, that was Tuca's fault. He should have had that. And I'm like. It's a fucking breakaway. Like, I, I, I don't know. Um, as for the game tomorrow night, uh, Craig Smith was skating today, so he may be back in the lineup tomorrow. They have not decided yet. I think the Islanders are coming back with Varlamov again. I think Sorokin kind of lost his magic there. Um, I think for us to be successful, I noticed this the other night big time. That Barzell line is torching Charlie McAvoy. Fucking Barzell came in one shift, 17 minutes left in the first period. And know what he did to Charlie McAvoy? Old school. Like something your father would tell you to do in the driveway. Puck comes around the board. Charlie thinks he's going to pick it. What's Barzell do? He doesn't get a hooking call. He doesn't come over the top. Stick lifts. Comes right underneath. Pulls it out the other side. Next shift he goes out there. He buries them behind the net. Like, they were <coughs> being very discreet, specifically to McAvoy and Grizzlick. And the only problem I see with it is now they're going to have the final change for the Lions. They're going to put out who they want. And Barry Trotz is a very, very good game planner for things like this and putting out the matchups that he wants. So I'm very interested to see how we're going to do with the last change here. Want to see who Barry Trotz is putting up on the ice with that last change. Uh, Taylor Hall needs to continue to be Taylor Hall. Jake DeBrus played his off wing last game uh, with Craig Smith out. Woof. Dude, he's not even looking at the play. Like He's above the puck, don't get me wrong, but he's not even... It, not even close. Like it, it was it was hard to watch him play game two. Just completely lost. He's a goner in the offseason, do you think? I think I don't think Vegas will take him. I, I think Don Sweeney will trade him somewhere. <coughs> I don't maybe know what for what. <laughs> yeah, I mean maybe maybe to Edmonton, but follow his dad. I just uh Oh, man, it, watching him was just tough. So hopefully Krejci and Hall can continue some magic. Uh, that top line looked good in that third period. Bergeron with the goal, Marchand with the other goal. Bergie finding space with the pass from Marchand. Like, I think that line needs to get buzzing again. Uh, keep it going. I, I'm excited. I, I can't wait till tomorrow night at 730, that's for sure. And the one final thing I want to discuss about the second round before we just give our predictions, even though we know the second round has already started, at least it's only like one or two games in, the decision to go to Robin Leonard in game one for Vegas, Awful. I know the thought process, the board came out and said, Flurry just played seven games in 14 days, we have confidence in Leonard, we want to get him a game in in case we need him, he hasn't played since... May 10th, uh, that was his reasoning. 
but it's the same logic that I had before the Florida and Tampa Bay series. You can't lose a game because of a, a bad decision or bad goaltending. And if you're in a position where you're like, we need, we sh-, you know what? It's game one against the best team we're going to play in our conference if we make it all the way to the final. Yeah. Now let's get him a game in. Now, Now's the time to get that done. I have a question for you because this, I think, is a crucial part of it. And Leonard is an advocate for it in mental health. Do you think DeBoer gives him this game to possibly kind of keep him engaged due to he's had anxiety, he's had depression? So is this just kind of a thing to, hey, you know, you're still our goalie, we're keeping you in it? Like... As a person, that shouldn't play any role. To be honest, if that does, then they don't deserve to win the series. Well, like, I, sorry, like my prediction we, to we you, like up. My my prediction to you was Vegas and seven, and yeah. I I still stick by that. I, I think Flurry's in net tonight. He'll have the crease covered. I think he's coming back. But I mean, Colorado fucking dominated game one, like. Vegas yeah. didn't have a sniff in now with Revo being out for games two and three, that leaves a big hole in Vegas just to try to fill that, what he can do. I mean, you, you send Revo out there, not only can he change the tempo with how big of a player he is, but the other part of it is a protection purpose. Like in, in the playoffs, if thing gets out of hand, it's nice to just know you can give the little Revo, go take care of that, or Revo, go fuck shit up. Now you don't have that for a couple of games. So uh, I think that alters the way Vegas plays, and they're going to have to rely big time on Stone and Pacioretty and Carlson and Smith. They they need their goal scorers to put pucks in the net. Like That's going to be the biggest well, thing you, for them. You know what? To be honest, good. Like, I'm I know he's not on a, anywhere near the same level as a Tom Wilson, but good. Like, I'm so fucking over these four flying goons who get eight minutes of ice time a night, and all they do is after whistle, the face washing, the pushing and shoving, the behind, uh, headlock from behind, the pull down to the ice. Like, it's, like, for me, and it's probably because as I've gotten older, I just appreciate the guys like a Barzell and a Pasta more. It's just like, I'm so over these guys who have no fucking talent just coming in and causing injury and like scuffing the game up and causing, getting 10 minute misconducts. And I know it's entertaining for the casual fan or the fan who doesn't know anything about hockey except that they're allowed to fight. But I'm just so over like the whole thing with Graves in game one. Like, I rather watch. Like you said, the goal scorer score, then Ryan Reeves out there trying to like pretend like he didn't mug somebody and look at the refs like, whoa, I don't, I don't know what I did. I crushed the goalie in the head and threw a guy down on top of his skull. What's the problem? Like, I'm just so over this shit. I know I said during the year how the Rangers aren't tough. What I mean by that is they're not tough to play against. I don't need Ryan Reeves. I don't need Tom Wilson. I just need guys that are going to fight through checks. They're going to win board battles. And they're not going to be afraid to go into the slot to get 
loose pucks and get scoring chances. I don't need guys going out there and just, like, it's almost like a joke. Like, I know Ryan Reeves is probably the heavyweight in the league. It's either him or, or Wilson, to be honest. But if I'm on the other team, I just, like, laugh at him. Like, as he skates by after getting a game as contact, I just be like, dude, you're a fucking joke, man. Like, see ya. You're a joke. You're a fucking nobody. Like, I don't even give him the time of day. What is he going to do, Todd Bertuzzi you? Like, stop giving him the time of day. Just fucking skate away. He's a nobody. That's my rant on guys like that now. And now, he already has a beef with the Vander Kane. Did you see a Vander Kane's tweet? No, I didn't. This was actually gold, and I want to see Revo might kill him next year for what he said. Oh, God, black on black crime. Uh, well, he, he comes out and he <laughs> says, uh, you know what? The league shouldn't suspend him. The league should make Vegas play him 20 nights, twenty minutes for the whole series. <laughs> 20 minutes a game for the That's whole series mean, to man. punish him. That's what I mean. And it was funny. It was like uh, the mic'd up that they have. Yep. And... And it's just like I don't. I want you out here. <laughs> Come out and play. So, yeah. So that's my rant on that. With when it comes to guys like Reeves, like it just detracts from the game. I get it's nice to have guys in your team. Like look at the Bruins. If shit goes down, they have guys that can handle business if necessary. But you don't have. You don't really see. I know Marshand can be a rat still, but I'm talking about like trying to physically intimidate just because you can. Like I think that's just fucking bitch move stuff uh and you don't see like lozon you didn't see like char never went around and just bullied people because he was the biggest guy on the ice no there was always a reason yeah there was always a reason why he was doing something it wasn't just like i'm just gonna fuck around right now so that's what i mean by that so getting into the second round predictions uh let's start out west so i know you already said vegas and seven I gave a prediction of Colorado in seven, but I'm going to change it to Colorado in five. Yes. It's short short series for me. I had Minnesota beating Vegas, and they almost pulled it off, almost pulled off the series comeback. Not very inspired by how Vegas played in the first round. And based on how Colorado just fucking ran them out of the barn in game one, short series there. Um, what do you... So, Montreal, Winnipeg. I forget who you picked for that one. I think you picked Montreal, right? I did not, unfortunately. I picked Winnipeg in six. Okay, yeah, I picked I picked Winnipeg in six too. Yeah, I just, my boys. Going yeah, for the Jets. My football Jets can't win, so I'm going for the hockey Jets. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought uh, Hellebuck's been playing great. I mean, don't get me wrong. We all just saw what Carey Price did, but Winnipeg came in and absolutely handled Edmonton, a team that had been going on all cylinders for the whole year. And, I mean, they handled them relatively easy, too. They, they didn't really have to work hard at any of it. Um, I, I just think Winnipeg as a whole, roster-wise, are very deep. And I think they proved the first round that they can play any which way Edmonton was thrown at them. Do you want to play fast? We'll play fast. Do you want us to muck it out? We'll muck it out. So I, I just think that they're very... Uh, have a versatile ver- style play. Yeah, just ver- that's the word I was looking for. Versatile. They're they're very versatile. They can kind of do it whichever way. So I think that they'll be able to get through uh, Montreal there. And Tampa Bay, Carolina. I know it's two zero Tampa Bay. I think we both had Tampa Bay winning. I, I would say I, I, I had Tampa. Series. It was either five or six in the message I sent you. 
Yeah, I had Tampa in five, and then we both had Boston in five. Yeah, so, I mean, I think regardless, I think whoever had won between Nashville and Carolina wasn't going past whoever they were playing on the other end. I think just Florida and... Well, actually, I think Carolina and Florida would have been a great series, but Tampa was Carolina, just... Carolina, they just got to get a goalie, man. Like, I'm not saying that that's, like, their biggest issue. They just need someone that can carry them. Yeah, no, that that Najelkovic, he's actually a really good goalie, and he he's already has a Calder Cup under his belt. Uh, I, I think he's good. I just think that to throw him right into the NHL at this point in time, probably not the best, uh, I think... For next year, though, he's already going to have plenty of playoff experience, which is good. So uh, hopefully we'll see what the turnaround in Carolina looks like and go from there. I, I know, did they officially re-sign Rod the Bot, or is that just still in talks? That's still in talks, and at this point, it's starting to get a little uh, nervous if you're a Carolina Hurricanes fan. Yeah, agreed. I mean, you heard them the other night. They showed the video. It was on the NHL. Carolina had it. It was... Uh, Rod the Bod going in there after it was his dad's birthday, all fucking fired up, got the phone on speakerphone, you know, this guy fucking lives watching you guys play, and, you know, big muck, uh, the whole team sang him happy birthday. So I I just think he has them in a good place. I, I think they like playing for him. I just think that Tampa right now, the, that fucking, that team is clicking on all cylinders, and that's not good for anybody next round, whoever ends up with them. Yeah, I think that's the buzzsaw that's going all the way to the final. Um, really quickly, I know two episodes ago we talked about the JD and Jeff Gordon firings in New York. Since then, they did finally, not finally, but they did decide to let go of David Quinn and most of the coaching staff in New York. Everybody knows my feelings about Quinn. Um, I think he'll land on his feet somewhere he might end up as an assistant for a few years but he should get another head coaching job he's the type of guy that you bring in when you want to turn things around he's not the guy that you want to you're going to win a cup with in my opinion so this is a move the rangers are making and it's the most important decision they're going to make for the next five years of this franchise is did they pick the right guy um early rumors are rick tockett which i'm iffy on uh they already interviewed gerard gallant and they also interviewed Rick Tockett. Um, apparently, out of nowhere, the Rangers are requesting an interview with Claude Julian. Um, That's interesting. Okay. So, yeah, so we'll see about that. Really quick, my top three picks, if I'm choosing. Two out of these three aren't even available at the moment. But Rod Brindamore, if he shakes free from Carolina, I'm all over it. Mike Sullivan, if he shakes free from Pittsburgh, all over it. And the guy who's available, I haven't heard any rumors about it, but I've been banging this fucking drum for three years. I wanted him hired when Quinn was hired. Todd Nelson. Give me my boy Nelson one time. He's a winner everywhere he's gone. I think he's the first guy to win a Calder Cup as a player and a coach. Um, He's been an assistant with John Cooper, uh, with... Peter Laviolette, like, I think he had a short run in Edmonton a few years back, but I think now's his time. And I think if the Rangers are looking for a guy who's going to come in long-term, that would be a good fit. 
uh, as well. So any of those three I'd be extremely happy with. And do you think there's a reason they've already interviewed Gallant and they haven't hired him? I think they, I mean, this is Jury's first coaching hire, so it's probably him just being, uh, like, intentional like, about it. No, but this is the thing. Like, I, I understand you, you, you're being cautious. You, you want to interview all possible candidates and go from there. Like, I, I'm not. But you figure if he's your guy, he's your guy. Yes, but the other part of it, too, is with Vegas being there and available, and the other part of it is. A Seattle? Seattle's there and I mean are you waiting for other teams to possibly fire their coaches to go after them because I just feel like if you wait too long you're going to end up with nothing yeah I think that's the balancing act I think they are definitely waiting to see what might happen with Sullivan and uh, Brenda Moore if Carolina wins the series against Tampa Bay I think the Rangers are going to be smart enough to go we can't wait to see what happens with Brenda Moore but if Sullivan shakes free i think they're all over it i think they call them up the same day and go fly to new york we want to talk to you see how you feel uh about our roster and organization and if you're on board we're on board well i was gonna say Um, that's a terrier to a terrier he'll he'll be hired he won't have to go for the interview (laughs) fucking he'll be hired while he's still in pittsburgh hey maybe we can do the role reversal have sully as the head coach and torts as the assistant Oh, that would actually be interesting. I, I would actually like to see how that worked out, to be honest. <laughs> like, just the, the, with it being different, like, I think that would be a very interesting matchup. But in the sense of, like, it it wasn't Sully's team when Torts was there. Would Torts be able to come in and be an assistant under Sully? I don't know. Because, uh, I mean, the relationship's there, but now it's completely flipped over the other way. How is this for a coaching staff? I, I know this is me just tucking out of my ass. You hire Mike Sullivan as your head coach. You bring in John Tortorella to run PK in defense and Bruce Boudreaux to run a power play. I mean, it sounds like a pretty good coaching <laughs> staff to me. What do I know? <laughs> Three head coaches just trying to figure it out. <laughs> hey, but if you gave everybody their own spot like that, like Torts, you're, you're our D-zone guy, you're our PK guy, fucking, you know, Bruce, here's the PP, take it away. I mean, Sully just has to make decisions at the end of, hey, you think we should change the goalie? He's playing like shit tonight. <laughs> like, you know, I feel no. like Torch at some point would yell over at Bruce and be like, get your fucking guys going here. <laughs> yeah. Fucking loosen that tie, Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, I can't believe this is the last thing we're going to touch on. The Sabres won a draft lottery tonight. Congratulations to whoever is getting drafted first overall and going to that dumpster fire. Yeah, congratulations to them for going to that dumpster fire. And even more, I think one of the hardest parts is definitely going to be we have had the Jack Eichel saga going. But now I think even more is it it seems as if you, you look at certain things and we don't know what is or what isn't, but... Would Jack Eichel want to be playing with the guy who got drafted higher than him? I mean, he got drafted second overall. He's not going to be playing <laughs> with the guy who got drafted first overall. You know what? You want a wild prediction? Oh, boy. Yeah. It just it just came to me. Eichel doesn't want to play in Buffalo. He wants to play for a team that's close to contending, and it's going to contend for the next few years. So you're looking for a team that has the cap space, that has assets to give up 
that ha- would have a need for a top line center or at least like a really, really, really strong second line center. Buffalo is looking for something where they're going to get like some type of equal value back, whether it's a really good young roster player, a first high first round pick, and a top prospect. How about Jack Eichel to Florida for Barkoff and a first? Ooh, I, I still almost think that Florida has to give a like a ch more. Yeah, so especially if like a conditional, like two. A first-round pick, and then a conditional first if Barkov doesn't resign. But like, obviously, like a tippet goes there too. Then I, I think they they could be in the ballpark and have that conversation. So I mean, Barkov probably wouldn't want to stay in Buffalo, but you never know if they offer him enough money, and then at least they have a young franchise center still, and it's not Eichel. That's interesting. But anyway, here you have for shoutouts after our long layoff. Uh, shoutouts this week. Uh, I have to give a shout-out to our union president, uh, Bobby. Uh, very, very unfortunate circumstance over the weekend. His family home uh, ended up catching fire. Going to be a complete oh, and total loss. Um, so thoughts and prayers are with him. I mean, luckily everyone was out safe, no injuries, but just sitting there watching your uh, house burn to the ground, uh, that's... Uh, that's tough. That's uh, that's a tough. Do they thing know to what watch. caused it yet, or? Uh, they do not know as to what it was. Um, yeah, just just a awkward, awkward thing. Um, yeah, I was up camping and I get a phone call from one of the guys I know telling me, "Hey, uh, Bobby's house is burning." And I'm like, "No way! Like, shut shut the fuck up!" But Saturday Memorial <laughs> Day weekend. And he's like, no, I'm I'm watching it. And I was like, oh, fuck. So uh, thoughts and prayers are with him. Um, I, I miss you, if that's any consolation. I, I haven't. It, it's been a while. It's been a week or two. You know, just hopefully Kobe remembers her favorite uncle. And that, that, that's all I got. Yeah, work's been kicking ass. Well, kicking my ass. 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., Monday through Saturday, every day for every week since... Uh, the first lady and I got back from Key West last September, Labor Day weekend. So it's been a long, long year almost of just constantly doing it. So I'm getting to my breaking point. So Oh, so someone's cashing yeah. out the stocks and moving soon. Yeah, hopefully. But, um, yeah, I, like you said, Kobe, she's actually laying right next to me, passed the fuck out, laying against me, uh, doing her the little doggy twitches. Um, we're going to upstate New York this Saturday into Sunday to Lake George. Oh, beautiful. Uh, so an area to take her off the leash, let her roam around in the woods, let her smell everything. And also it's going to be our first time. I'm going to try and see if she enjoys swimming. Uh, I bought her a little swim vest that has a handle on top so you can like help hold her up. And it has like a little mermaid tail at the back. So. Oh, I can't I'm wait leaning, for those I'm pictures. leaning all into the the girl dad thing. Hey, if you're gonna run with it, run with it, pal. <laughs> That's awesome. So, I'm leaving my phone at home. I'm not even bringing it for GPS. I'm figuring it out. No, I'll say Lake George is beautiful up there. You, you guys have a good time. So that's uh, what's going on for this upcoming weekend. It's gonna be a nice little break. But other than that, 
I, I just can't. I don't want to see Tampa Bay again winning another Stanley Cup. Like, no offense, they're very talented. I love Cooper as a coach. Like, I love hearing the stories about him. It's just, I like just seeing a new team win. Like, I don't like seeing back to backs. No, agreed. I, I like some more parity in the league, but I mean, hard to say that right now they are not the favorites with how they've been playing and just absolutely dominating. Like, it hasn't even been close. And I how mean, disappointing would it be if you don't get Colorado versus Tampa? That would be upsetting. I mean, I just think if you're looking around the league and, and you know, with the reseeding and everything, it's hard to go off of every possible scenario. But it's like, how would a Bruins Montreal Stanley Cup final be? Like, oh, bring it Jesus. back to the 70s. How would Tampa Colorado be? How would, I mean,. Winnipeg gets out of the north and they and they do some damage. How would Winnipeg Vegas be? You want to talk about a fucking bloodbath? Like, I just think that there there could be some really cool matchups here, and I think one of the most difficult things going forward for the NHL is going to be how exactly do they conduct the playoffs going forward because these final matchups, I, I think they could be nothing short of amazing. Yeah, and apparently they're trying to work behind the scenes to clear up the whole border issue with Canada. I mean, Canada's starting to let some fans into the games in Winnipeg and Montreal, so maybe that's a good sign for where things are going. Yeah, I hope. I remember originally, the you know, the final four, quote-unquote, was supposed to be in a bubble up north, but there's absolutely no fucking way that any of the American owners are going to allow that, especially now that they no. have ticket revenue coming through the door and sold-out buildings. Uh, Boston exactly. actually dropped today that if you are vaccinated and you can prove it, you don't need to wear a mask at the Fleet Center or TD Garden or whatever the fuck it is now. So yeah. now going forward, I mean, you're going to have a whole filled-out barn like that's it was nice hearing that crowd in game two man yeah like this is playoff hockey so giddy up i mean canada better be moving to fucking nyc or something for uh <laughs> the the cup final they should have brought uh renee back for the game two anthem oh dude like if they brought renee back for like a like a special like a special game seven one that would be awesome the, like the place <laughs> would go crazy but yeah so we won't take as long of a hiatus. We'll probably regroup for if there are any game sevens um, and then do like a recap and preview of the final four and uh, go on from there. Maybe we'll have a few more coaching firings too. Yeah, we'll, we'll see as to uh, where the NHL and their teams deem they will be. Um, it seems like leading up to it, I mean, everything's going to be relatively quick once is a uh the playoffs are done. I mean, we're already in June. Uh, the NHL already said that they're going to be done by, it was what, July 15th, the absolute latest. So, And a draft is the 23rd of July. Yeah, so, I mean, we have about a month and a half, and a, and a lot of things are going to start shipping up here. So uh, we're going to see where this all plays out. Like you said, if there's coachings, hirings, firings, Midnight wirings. Oh, I'm killing it. Lyrical genius right now. <laughs> but uh, everybody, as always, thank you for listening. And hopefully next week we'll be back with another episode of 2, 5, and 10 going over the next round, possibly a game seven with Vegas and Colorado because that's where I said it was going. And, yeah, we'll catch you guys then. Yeah.
Check it out. See, the only thing you need to do right here is snarl your freaking head. Lock it down and I hit you with that. With that bomb sh. Y'all just know all day we be making it drop. Y'all just know every time we come through this motherfucker, we always taking a ride. So let me do this. 